You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It is 11 a.m. on a uh, overcast kind of day here in Tuscaloosa. Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. My name is Jacob Harrison filling in for the one and only Travis Ryer. Show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Just south of Northport, just north of Tuscaloosa, right kind of there in the middle, and they've still got the chocolate popcorn ready for you. Stop in uh, from 10 to 8 p.m., or excuse me, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. today. Pick yourself up a bag of chocolate-covered popcorn. I mean, salt, butter, and chocolate. What else you need in life? Nothing. That's all you need. Give them a call ahead, 205-752-0211 if you need to do so. And, of course, you can always call us via the Peterbrook Chocolatier Hotline, 205-342-9904. We'll take your phone calls uh, in the first and last segments today. We'll have Joey Blackwell of Bama Central on today at 1015. We'll pick his brain about the uh, the ruling that was handed down to the NCAA yesterday. And uh, not only what the ruling in that case, the Austin versus NCAA case, what that means for college sports, but also, obviously, what the justices, especially Brett Kavanaugh, uh, what was written in the dissertation, what it means for name, image, and likeness, and what's going on with that moving forward, uh, as well as the meetings that are going on today and tomorrow from uh, you know the big wigs, the suits of the NCAA today in Dallas, and what that means for playoff expansion, NIL. Uh, we're in the thrust of a quick and obvious evolution. This is what they call macro evolution in biology 101 when you first get to college. This is macro. This is in your face happening live right now. We are living in the evolution of college football. Before we get into any of that, I am not alone today. As I fill in for Travis, someone has to fill in for me. And today that man is the Iron Man, Joe Gaither. And today we will form... The 60-Minute Men. What's going on, Joe, man? Oh, another day in paradise. Happy to have a Tuesday. Uh, it's always fun to sit in on Southern Fried Sports. It's always a blast. Always a blast. So uh, we've been hanging out, but we haven't really been talking a lot about all this, kind of conserving talk just a little bit. Uh, of course, I had instant reactions yesterday, uh, and most of what I saw was Kavanaugh, so I didn't know... At the time, because I went from producing Gary's show to immediately jumping in here, uh, exactly what was going on in that case and how it pertained to uh, the educational standards of things. But but Gary said it really well at the end of his show just a second ago. This is common sense stuff. Uh, and, and like I <laughs> responded to him, the NCAA doesn't deal in common sense. Uh, one of the best things written yesterday... Kavanaugh hit hit the NCAA with two easy sentences. First, the NCAA is not above the law. But second, the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost every other business in America. And all of that was on the on the back end. Like he just wanted to tack that on 
and be like, you're already screwing up in this department, but by the way, college football starts for, at least for the Alabama Crimson Tide, in 74 days. You need to get your stuff together while you're in Dallas over the next two days. Figure out this playoff expansion. That's all well and good, but your business structure may very well be illegal, may very well be against antitrust laws. There's a lot of issues going on right there with the NCAA. And, you know, even, of course I'm excited because I've been screaming since I've gotten the chance on a microphone to say anything about the lack of structure with the NCAA. But it, it's it's so incredible that for all this time, the NCAA has operated on a preferential basis of this is what our fans prefer, this is the way we prefer to operate, and despite it going against the norms of everything in our capitalistic society, we're going to play by our own rules, and no one's going to say otherwise. And now all of a sudden, as soon as these things start to, to get just a tad bit more and more and more and more speed, they find themselves in courtrooms with no defense because their defense has always been just amateurism with, with no substance behind it because they, they speak on fairness all the time, but yet they lack the ability to govern what they have created. The NCAA should, should exist. I wholeheartedly would agree with what Gary said at the end of his show. You can't have, I mean, you probably can honestly, but you'd be in a in a very difficult situation if you had college sports without the NCAA. I'm not blind to that fact. But at the end of the day, what you can't have is a governing body that can't control its subjects. And at the end of the day, when college members uh, routinely are circumventing the rules, are bypassing rules, you're going to have that when you have 1,100 members. No one's complaining about that fact. But they the NCAA lacks the ability to properly govern discipline and enforce any of its properties especially when the basis for all of its arguments the basis for what structure it claims to have is amateurism yet the ncaa's suits the ncaa's partners whether it's tv endorsements or otherwise are raking in millions and millions of dollars off the backs of the athletes regardless of sport that are performing on live television, usually nationally, and uh, providing entertainment and joy to, to millions of fans across the country. I mean, it's it's common sense, just like Gary said. Let's jump out to the Peterbrook Chocolatier hotline. Welcome Jeremy from Florida into the show. What's going on, Jeremy? Hey, good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon for me. Good morning to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I had a, a question about the name, image, and likeness uh, and the consequences that it may have that we ain't really thought about. Uh, one was Alabama football. You know, Nick Saban doesn't let freshmen speak. Uh, you think that may go away because it's going to hinder them of having, you know, boosting their profiles on the social media aspect, and that wouldn't be fair to them? And also, SEC meeting, day, uh, meeting days coming up. When you bring in three players, you're, you know, you're, you're selecting three players that are going to get their profile boosted in, in that way as well. Uh, there could be some, you know, people upset on the team that they didn't get chosen. Just the thoughts on that, because I've not heard anyone speak on that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. First of all, I think that at the end of the day, schools are still going to be fully within their right to have their own rules. I mean, think about it. Even with the state of Alabama having its own NIL rules that are going to be put in place in, a, in about a week and a half on July 1st, then Alabama still has what they have going on uh, with, with what they want to structure to be, be able to allow their, their college athletes to, to benefit from uh, with the advantage, right? So they're teaching their, their students in the same, same manner, uh, but, you know, there's still nothing really saying from the the legislation that you know Nick Saban has to relinquish any sort of power to you know freshman football players just because they get an, an endorsement. And I think those freshman players will still get endorsements, and most of the time it's probably going to be through some sort of social media. 
Uh, and in those situations, it's going to be, you know, I'm Kool-Aid McKinstry, try cool, you know, the new Kool-Aid flavor. You know, it's not going to be okay. about football, and therefore it kind of helps circumvent that a little bit. Okay, okay. Well, other than it could hurt, uh, which I don't think it will, but it could hurt uh, Nick Saban in recruiting. You know, what Scoop would say, well, as a freshman, you can, you know, we'll give you the, the microphone or the camera, you know, so you, you can have your, your name out there more prominently. But, but then again, it's not forced. You know, you can't force Nick Saban to change. But I think right. if he sees it, he would. I think he would change that if uh, if, he, if he thought of it hurting. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I say it all the time: is everything that Nick Saban does is for recruiting, and it almost seems like over the past few years he's gotten even better at recruiting. And now he's, you know, this is a challenge in front of him, no doubt, because of the evolution of college football. But at the end of the day. Who, who's who's better at, at overcoming these challenges? Uh, there, oh, he, there, he, there were plenty of people this time last year that were saying COVID is going to ruin Nick Saban. He's not going to be able to recruit, and he turned out one of the best classes he ever signed. He's a visionary, uh, without a doubt. I, that's what makes him great at recruit, recruiting and changing his whole program uh, because he can see he has a, a great gift of seeing what's coming and how to adjust to it properly. Uh, he, he's proactive where most people are reactive naturally. That's just how most people are. But he's very talented to be in proactive. So uh, I, it was just, it was just, I dropped trucks here in, uh, in the Keys of Florida, and I, I something I came across my mind, and I'm going to call in and uh, ask you about it. Yeah, so absolutely, man. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, have a great day. You too. Take it easy. That was Jeremy down in Florida raising a, a, a good question. Look, there are a lot of things, though, that when it comes to the NIL – well, we're not going to know until it kind of happens. You know, we could have NI rules drop by the end of the week from the NCAA that kind of solidify what we're dealing with. Or we could have a situation where everything gets put on hold. Just the seven states that are going to have rules on July 1st will have rules until the NCAA is able to figure something out or until the NCAA is able to convene with, with Congress to figure something out. There, there's so much up in the air that is unknown right now. And on the same side of that, you've got NCAA leadership telling Ross Dellinger of, of Sports Illustrated, holy crap, why didn't we act on this in January? Because keep that in mind, all of this was supposed to be voted on in January. All of this was supposed to have already been handled. And it wasn't. It was completely screwed from the, from the beginning. And he says it himself. Uh, one NCAA decision maker tells Ross Dellinger, "We've done it to ourselves. Everyone has their own agenda. If we come out with this thing, with, come out of this, talking about the the meetings today and tomorrow in Dallas, without doing anything, we are dysfunctional." And Congress has been questioning the leadership in the NCAA for months now, as has the uh, Supreme Court. So, at the end of the day, what are what are the NCAA's capabilities to really come up with something? That is that is fair. That works and doesn't break antitrust laws before the fall season. Not just football, but uh, the fall season. And keep in mind, they had something that they pretty much agreed on in January, and now there's about nine conf- or, or excuse me, there's about nine commissioners of conferences, uh, six from the yeah six conference commissioners, three from the Power Five are encouraging a new. NIL proposal, and under that plan, the NCAA would exempt itself from NIL completely, and schools and states with an NIL law may follow that law without penalty, and schools located in states without a statute are granted permission to each create and administer their own NIL policy as long as they use two guiding principles, no pay-for-play or recruiting inducements. Are you kidding it's just like the NCAA to just try to pass the buck instead of solving their own problems. Mark Emmerich said if we don't come up with something by July, he'll put something temporary in place. But he's got he, – can I count? He's got six conference commissioners that he's got to persuade to go back to the deal that they had already halfway agreed on but never voted on. They just tabled the discussion. What a dysfunctional group is the NCAA broken from the beginning. We'll take a break. We'll come back. 
will welcome Joey Blackwell of Bama Central into the show. We'll get his thoughts on all of these situations and more. Joey Blackwell next on Southern Fried Sports on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. Um. Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are there are there are 74 days until Alabama football. I see. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Drier air is moving into the area this afternoon. Skies will be steadily clearing with partly cloudy skies overnight tonight. 80 your daytime high this afternoon, 62 overnight tonight. Partly cloudy and warm for your Wednesday. Look for a daytime high in the middle 80s. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. How about this? Right at the uh, top of the hour, Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown, uh, his probation was terminated a year early and his criminal matter related to his battery case was finalized. Uh, Brown's lawyer, Sean Burstein, says we're very pleased to advise uh, that his withheld adjudication is now final and has completed his probation a full year ahead of schedule. We see nothing but blue sky for AB. Well, they are in Florida, uh, first of all. No, good for Antonio Brown, man. Good for him. Like, listen, I know his his divorce from the Pittsburgh Steelers was horrendous, uh, but he's still a human being, you know, and and has the right to to correct his wrongs and uh, figure things out. And uh, you know, as Joey Blackwell will know, Joe Gaither will still try to get a second round pick for Antonio Brown in our <laughs> dynasty fantasy league. <laughs> will he worth it? <laughs> Absolutely, he's always definitely be worth it this year. Joe the Schemer Gaither, as they, as they call him. <laughs> hey, he pulled off one of the best trades in league history last year. I mean, you got to give him credit. Uh, no doubt. Joey, man, welcome into the show. How you doing, dude? Doing all right, my man. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing good. Uh, the NCAA has been crushed under the thumb of bureaucracy, so I'm, I am a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> Long time coming. Uh, uh, it's good to see. You know, it's kind of funny if you had asked uh, – college athletes and people across the country that were NCAA fans, uh, if they were fans of Rick Cavanaugh or near Gorsuch, you've probably gotten a wide variety of responses. But after yesterday, you know, scathing at the hands of uh, the hands of Kavanaugh, I think we're all Brad Kavanaugh fans when we woke up this morning. Well, as long as it pertains to, to sports, right? Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's narrow that for a second. Yeah, as long as it pertains to college athletics, absolutely. So many <laughs> listeners just... Flipped off the radio. Great idea, Jacob. Uh, no, all jokes aside, regardless, uh, the the case yesterday didn't actually have anything to do with NIL. Just Kavanaugh brought it up in his dissertation. Uh, Well-written, you know, nonetheless. But uh, as it pertains to Austin versus NCAA, uh, Gary and I were talking about it at the end of his show. This is just common sense. Like, if a player needs extra tutoring, if a player needs a laptop, if players need anything to further help their ability to get a quality education at a university, then him being an athlete, her being an athlete, should not deter that player from getting those uh, necessities. And finally, the NCAA has been told by the government, hey, this is common sense, handle it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the big things from this, uh, you know, of course, the, uh, the only thing that's changing right now is, you know, with the the, the, the excuse me, the Supreme Court upholding a decision by a district court um, that, you know, hopefully that will allow um, students to to be able to get that extra, you know, educational funding. But on top of that, it really sets a precedent, and that's what we get from from Kavanaugh's write up. Um, his concurring opinion was that should the NCAA have to go to the Supreme Court again, um, Kavanaugh really set the grounds for you know, talking about how, 
one of the terms he used was he said that the NCAA model, the current model, is suppressing the pay of student athletes who, you know, collectively generate billions of dollars in revenues for colleges every year. And talking about how, you know, should NIL come to the Supreme Court if that were to happen or should pay for play and stuff like that come up, he really set a precedent. Now, of course, that precedent is not an official precedent because there wasn't a ruling attached to it. But at the same time, it really shows with the 9-0 vote where this court stands regarding players being paid for all the revenue they generate. And it was it was quite a bit, you know, quite a shock to see such, you know, uh, an astounding, you know, uh, foot being put down on this issue and um it really sets up you know sets up something for the future for college athletes everywhere it's really bizarre though when you really think about it especially with the way the, the landscape of our politics here in this country has been very very divided uh for a long time now but you know like we were joking about the brett kavanaugh situation like that was a very divisive issue just him being appointed a judge but you know this time you know, around it's a nine zero vote. It's clear as day that the NCAA is in the wrong here. And in his dissertation, saying that the NCAA's business model is would be flat out illegal in most mm-hmm. businesses in 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 this country. And you get the impression, based off of the nine zero vote today, that a lot of this is just based solely on common sense. And you know, of course, you know, Republicans and Democrats are going to have their own ways of tackling NIL should this find its way into Congress. And the NCAA hasn't really made up its mind on how it wants to handle that. But it's impressive, nonetheless, that we've gotten to this point where we can just agree that the NCAA's structure for for all this time has been broken and is not really catered to supporting its athletes more than more or less just. I mean, almost holding them hostage with the way that mm-hmm. they have operated. And that was one of the best points. I, I read I read Kavanaugh's full, full dissertation, his, his concurring opinion this morning. One of the best points I thought really hit home um, goes along with what you just said. You know, um, to, you talked about how the NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student athletes using innocuous labels, and those labels, you know, however, can't dis- disguise reality. And he compared, you know, um, talking about how cooks' wages, you know, can't be lowered in a region. Because, quote-unquote, customers prefer to eat food by low-paid cooks. He talks about law firms and, and how nurses' um, income can't be reduced to create a pure form of helping sick. And he even gave a little shout-out to journalists like you and myself. You know, He said, <laughs> news organizations can't join forces to curtail pay to reporters to preserve a, quote-unquote, tradition of public-minded journalism. And I thought those points really hit home when you, when you to take a step back and examine how the NCAA has profited from these athletes who get no form of compensation as far as money goes and even have educational benefits, you know, limited, um, you know, by amount because of these rules that the NCAA um, has put in place. And I thought that really spoke to me, that, that paragraph. I encourage everybody that hasn't read it to go read it because it is a, uh, a you know, a tongue lashing from Kavanaugh. But um, that was one point that really drove it home to me and what kind of set the precedent moving forward. No doubt, and but but the interesting part, and uh, I, I wasn't able to to get with you and, and make sure that that you had seen this, but but Ross Dellinger, uh, you know, one one of your colleagues there at Sports Illustrated, uh, kind of laid out the law of the land here with the NIL, and you know, basically, uh, you know, got some some information as far as to the fact that in January this was supposed to be handled and it was tabled. Uh, they tried to handle some other stuff. And, you know, the NCAA has just been kicking the can down the road. And, you know, you almost start to feel a little bit bad for Mark Emmert because he's the guy taking all the punches, and he's he's been saying for a little while now, you know, if they don't figure something out, then we're going to put temporary plans in in place in order to, to circumvent this. But at the, at the beginning, this was about, you know, the schools won't be in charge of paying the athletes. This will be under the NCAA's umbrella. We'll find a way to police it. We'll find a way to control it. And, you know, as even as uncomforting as that sounds, it's at least a plan that should work and makes most people happy, whether they're for or against uh, NIL. Uh, but today, Dellinger talks about how six conference commissioners, uh, three from the Power Five, including the SEC's Greg Sankey, uh, are in favor of a new proposal uh, which would exempt the NCAA from the NIL completely. Uh, schools and states with NIL law may follow that law, such as Alabama. Schools located in states without a statute 
uh, can create and administer their own NIL policy, which is terrifying, as long as they follow two guidelines, no pay-for-play and no recruiting inducements. I don't know if you had seen that, but regardless, now hearing it, uh, I mean, you got to laugh at the NCAA a little bit for, for continuing to kick the can down the road and absolve themselves from any sort of responsibility. But, I mean, of, of the two, clearly the initial is a far better look for the NCAA, no? Yeah, I, I agree. I hadn't seen that piece by Dellinger, but at the same time, you know, it, it takes me back to what, you know, Commissioner, SEC Commissioner Greg Spanky released a statement yesterday, and that kind of goes along with what Dellinger was saying. And in that statement, he, um, I'll read word for word what he said right here. He said, what also is clear is the need for the continuing evaluation of the college model consistent with the course decision and message. And then he goes on to talk about how the next step is to engage with the member institutions to consider the implications uh, of the opinion that was delivered by the court yesterday and, you know, to continue to give the best educational funding uh, and competitive opportunities to its student-athletes. Um, and sorry, I kind of lost where I was going with this, but, you know, the, the NCAA is supposed to, you know, have an NIL vote today, but the, you, you're absolutely right when you say them kicking the can down the road because these laws, you know, go into play, affect this uh, on July 1st for, I think it's, a, it's, like it's eight states, including Alabama. Um, and it's almost too little too late for the NCAA. Now, that being said, I'm in favor of NIL. I think it's good for the student-athletes. I think it's good for the sport. However, I do believe that there should be some overarching caps um, in order to limit the – in order, first off, to promote competition, but to also limit that competition because, obviously, if you're a recruit, and I've said this on your show many times, um, if you're a recruit and you're looking at going to a place like Alabama – where you have something set up like the Crimson Standard and you have those millions and millions of dollars of revenue that are coming in that you can capitalize on putting your face and your brand out there. We've seen uh, Will Anderson uh, do something like that recently. He hasn't signed anything, but he's been building up his personal brand on social media, no doubt, in preparations for NIL. Um, if you're a recruit that's seeing that, and then you're also being recruited by a lesser program, like let's just hypothetically say Tulane University. That's just the first one that came to my head. A university that has a solid football program but doesn't have the same amount of, of revenue coming in, doesn't have the same you know, you know, uh, means to promote your image and to get you those contracts, um, you're obviously going to go to Alabama. Um, and I think that there should be a cap on how much these players can earn, not because I want to limit their pay, but because I feel like that if there isn't a cap and this goes unregulated, you're going to have a lot of problems that create a very – um, unequal opportunities as far as recruiting is concerned for these universities, and that could develop into a major problem. Talking to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central at Blackwell Sports on the Twitter account, and uh, you know, as it pertains to to what Alabama's law is for those don't know that don't know, it's actually a a pretty basic law that that kind of covers everything that that you want of out of. Uh, you know, an NIL situation, and it's almost kind of the the bare bones of like this is what the NCAA would have to do. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. very simple. You know, you you can't be sponsored by anything with any uh, unsavory tone, such as tobacco, alcohol. You know, you know the goods, and uh, you know requires uh, disclosure of it. You can't use it for recruiting tactics. You can't use the the registered license marks and logos. Yada yada yada. It's all the basic stuff. So. At the very least, here in Alabama, and it also requires colleges and universities to do financial literacy, life skills, that sort of thing. So the advantage was already ahead of that. They had a, a guy uh, from Florida who's a financial uh, advisor come in and talk to the team last week. At the very least, here in Alabama, here in Tuscaloosa, we've got nothing to worry about for the Crimson Tide over this time. <laughs> it's just, how's the rest of the NCAA going to be able to handle this? And are they going to be able to stand up to Alabama in, over the next three years because of the effect that these next four weeks could have on college football's future? Absolutely. And uh, I think I said the Crimson Standard earlier. I meant the advantage. Um, and you're absolutely right. I'm not worried about Alabama. Alabama has absolutely zero to worry about. Alabama fans should be very happy with these rules. Um, if anything, it gives Alabama an advantage over other schools, which, of course, I'm sure Crimson Tide fans will be happy to hear. But I am worried, you know, I am worried about smaller schools, not necessarily SEC. I think everybody thought that SEC will be fine. But smaller schools um, and, and that aren't Power Five that do have a difficulty already enough recruiting against 
top top teams like Alabama and Ohio State and 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 you know programs like that. Um, at the same time, I, I think that once again, I'll go back to what I just said. I think that if we, you know, maintain the competitive nature of the sport and not give the Power Five conferences, you know, more of a stranglehold on the sport than they already do, um, I think that setting up caps and that could come from the NCAA. It could also come from a federal ruling. Should this become uh, NIL become a federal law rather than an NCAA law, but. Um, I think that there is still work to be done, but that being said, we are a lot further than we were last year, and I really like the direction this is all headed. Absolutely, no doubt. I mean, I, I'm I'm excited. I've been screaming for NIL. I've been screaming for the transfer portal. I've been screaming for college football playoff expansion, and I don't know if this justifies that I was right or not, but I'm at least getting my <laughs> way, and I'm going to pat my own back about it. You're just ahead of the curve, Jacob. You're always ahead of the curve. Yeah, you know, you, you got to be. I mean, Nick Saban's ahead of the curve in recruiting. Look at him. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, though, speaking of expansion, uh, the next two, today and tomorrow, uh, the big suits from the NCAA are in Dallas discussing not just NIL, but also the expansion. Uh, I know we were able to touch on this a little bit, uh, kind of right after that news broke on my show, Off the Edge. Uh, a, a week or so ago, but as it pertains to, to the discussions that can take place today, is there anything out of out of what you heard from the conference call before leading into the, today that that can signify any sort of changes to the to the proposal that we've all become familiar with? Well, I think one of the biggest things that came up in that conference call that was um, a question that that several journalists had was, uh, for for the committee was talking about how you know they really. I think the journalists represented the fans pretty well because one of the one of the things that I've seen um, online as the repercussions from the announcement was good. We like twelve teams. We like where this is going, but there wanted to be there wanted to be uh, more home matchups and, and games played on college campuses rather than a neutral site. I, I could see the committee maybe um, amending that. That was one of the biggest things. Um, I could see maybe the second round also being played um, in home stadiums of the top four seeds. Because, you know, if you are in the top four, you never get to play in your stadium. You immediately have a week off, and then you play at a neutral site. Um, so I could see that be, being something that could be tweaked. Um, that, aside from everything else, um, I, I also agree with that. But aside from everything else, I, I think that everything else is pretty much, you know, set in stone as far as um, as, as far as what, we're, what we'll see. Now, that being said, I'm sure there's some logistical issues um, surrounding that that they'll have to address. And that might be why they only had that first round being played on college campuses rather than, you know, in NFL stadiums or other neutral sites. But I think that's something that we could see amended. Um, I do lean towards it not being amended, but out of the out of the questions that were said on that conference call, that would be one of the key things that sticks out to me that might we might see changed moving forward. Before I let you go, Joey, there was some some pretty good news uh, for the Alabama baseball team. Uh Earlier today, uh, I think like last night it actually is when it when it was kind of revealed a little bit. But Tyler Ross was selected as a finalist for the twenty twenty one Rawlings NCAA Division One Gold Glove Team. Uh, talk about Ross and what he brings to the team, especially uh, after Connor Prelip's you know departure from the team and uh, where where Brad Bohannon's squad is shaping up for next year. Well, Tyler Ross did an outstanding job this year. Um, you know stepping up and being the primary Friday starter in prelips absence. Um, you know, he, um, people forget, you know, he earned SEC all, he was named the SEC all defensive team this year at pitcher, um, which is of course decided by the league coaches. You know, he, he was, he was perfect in fielding, you know, he had, he had, he had a thousand, uh, in fielding, you know, he had seven put outs and 11 assists. You know, he had a solid season overall, you know, he finished seven and five. He tossed five innings, over five innings, uh, in 11 starts. And uh, he had eight, over 86 innings as a junior, and um, yeah, he, he's had a really solid year. Now it, it might not be the year he wanted; it might not be the year a lot of people wanted for him. But he still had to step up in this very limited starting rotation from Alabama this year, with both Prelip and, and John being out for the majority of the season. Um, I think it's shaping up to, for him to have a fantastic year. I think it also depends on how well Prelip can come, you know, can recover from his Tommy John surgery that he had a couple of weeks ago. And if he'll be, you know, fully back by next spring, because we all know that Tommy John surgery is something that takes a long time to recover from, um, and you'd hate to see somebody like Prelip, you know, have to have to hang up the cleats a little, you know, too early, especially with his skills. But 
overall, I think Bohannon is doing a great job. I think Ross is doing a solid job. I, I think they'll be back next year um, with a better pitching rotation, especially with some of the commits that they have or recruits that they have coming in. Um, I, I do believe you know this Alabama team, you know, despite its end, despite how the season ended, they did. I think with when you consider the injuries, I think they did outperform um, um, what they had on the field, and I see that next year. Um, I see this team being better next year, barring injuries, of course. And uh, really excited to see what what Coach Bo has in store for next year. No doubt, that's Joey Blackwell at Blackwell Sports on the Twitter account, writer, reporter for Sports Illustrated, Bama Central. Joey, man, I always appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to chat it up with you with the lights still on outside. Jacob, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> weird looking outside and seeing the sun for once. Um, uh, but, yeah, you, you keep being you, and it's keep staying ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You too, my friend. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joining us there. If you missed any part of that discussion, we got real in-depth on the NIL situation with the NCAA. You can always check it out on the podcast center. Uh, under Southern Fried Sports. Dinon has been hanging on very patiently on the Peter Brook Chocolatier Hotline. We'll get to him next right after this on Southern Fried Sports on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama sports. Um. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. We're back for more here on Southern Fried Sports. I'm Jacob Harrison filling in for the one and only Travis Ryer. We'll be in for him for the rest of the week. He'll be back next week. So uh, don't fret for the senior writer for Bama Online. He'll be back next week. Let's jump out to uh, the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio Hotline and welcome in Dean on to the show. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. What's on your mind? Uh, I've, I've been... Uh, Work day shift and catching stuff here and there on this NIL situation and uh, everything. Kind of wondering, um, overall, how in the end will this eventually affect the general everyday fan? Will ticket sales? I mean, we've already seen with the COVID situation and the stadium uh, revitalization out at Bryant Denny. Uh, talking to a few of the people who have season tickets, the season tickets are wide open. There's a lot, a lot of folks have canceled. Because of that situation, uh, prices went up a lot on that. Will these, will this possibility, will the price of these situations be forwarded to the fans one day? You know that that's difficult because of the unknowns behind everything. Like, uh, like I told Joey and, and said before we talked to him too, is you know we could have a, an understanding of what exactly our NIL situation is going to be in college football. Two days from now, it could be two weeks from now. But what we do know here in Alabama is that it's it's at least set in stone for what's going to happen on July first for for us. I would say yeah. that I would think that it would that that you know still recovering. You know, not not, not saying like we're still in the midst of this or, or anything, but just the yeah. schools trying to recruit recoup from last year uh, with COVID. I feel like that would have more of an impact on prices than than name, image, and likeness. Yeah. I will say, yeah. you know, once you put a player on that ticket now, it's it's wide up in the air as to whether or not that player is going to get paid for being on the ticket because he's in uniform and because it's distributed by the university. So <clears throat> my first instinct yeah. thinks, you know, based off of the wordings of many of the rules, that they won't profit from that. And therefore, a lot of those types of things, players being uh, displayed, you know, under the bleachers, you know, down the halls or whatever, uh, or on the jumbotrons, yeah. on the tickets, whatever, all that would seem to circumvent the NIL rules uh, because all of their yeah. profits are supposed to come from third party. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's a lot of the, yeah, that situation there. I know a lot of the situation with the ticket-wise. I think a lot of it has to do with people that actually said, hey, you know, I can say it at home. But then again, um, ticket-wise, they've gone more of the digital tickets these days anyway to keep right. a lot of the uh, – extra people making money off the tickets. But I did see another thing, another aspect of this situation. Uh, I just flipped through Twitter a minute ago. I can't remember exactly. I know Mac Herford, he's the one that retweeted the situation. Um, about NFL agents are already clamoring 
getting their getting their foot in the door with these players, possibly saying, "Hey, we'll give you a five hundred thousand dollar upfront for your." I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe to incentivize. I guess um, it opens. It does open up mm. a can of worms in a lot of situations. Oh, uh, NFL that. agents trying to. Yeah, that that's the scary part of the whole deal. There, the NFL agent saying, "Hey." You're going to capitalize on this. Uh, let me help you capitalize. Even you know, but we know how it is with agents. A lot of them, you know, a lot of them are not on campus, but they have a lot of people on campus that out, that, that reach out to the student athletes. That's there with them. You know, a lot of secondhand speech going on with these players. So it, it will be a, a can of worms. I'm glad I'm not. I don't not want to have to uh, police this thing. I guess in a way of saying it, not <laughs> yeah. really police it, but you know. It, it, it'll be a lot of, um, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of these guys, it's going to be hard to turn down some amount of money, you know, <laughs> if, if an NFL agent gets involved. We know how slimy they can be anyway. Bro, if somebody comes um, to my door and offers me $500,000, I am absolutely not turning that down. You I, know? I, but, I'm, all, I'm all in. But then again, <laughs> you got to turn around and he's going to say, hey, you gonna you got to give me that back plus right. 10% later on. Well, but, uh, you know. If you're a five-star freshman at Alabama, uh, you know, odds are you're going to be able to turn that around and have absolutely no problem doing that. But then there's the problem. Chances are you're going to pay it back pretty easily. But what if you tear your knee in half? You know, you never play football again, you know, or or Lord forbid, you know, you pass away. Now your family's got to foot that $500,000 bill. I hate that, though. I absolutely hate that. And a lot of that I mean, just think about it. it. It comes down from the NCAA if the NCAA right. does, isn't the the governing body policing this, or the government as a whole, which you know, yeah, give them one more responsibility. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, if yeah. if the NCAA is not governing this, and which is what six conference commissioners, including Greg Sankey, want to do, and, yeah. and just let it kind of be free reign, like how do you stop an agent from offering a player? How do you stop any agent from offering Will Anderson? any amount of money right now to be his agent later down the road because will Anderson, yeah. as long as he stays healthy is a top five pick in next year's NFL draft, not this upcoming, but oh, yeah, yeah. the following year. So uh, how do you yeah, stop that? You can't, there's no way to stop it. No. no. And we know how they are. I mean, I mean, God bless them. I don't mean to point out anybody. I mean, talk badly about anybody, but NFL is a whole different thing. And I think overall, this might not be the most popular statement to make at the moment, but I think the, hardened college football fan has a fear of college football turning into the NFL that we have kind of uh, grown less of a fan of. I, I do watch a lot of the NFL from time to time, but I find myself these days, I find myself watching a game to see how the Bama guys do. I don't really follow a team like I used to, but it's more or less now that we're putting more guys in the NFL, I want to see how those guys do. Right. But I think the I think the avid college football fan their their fear is we don't really want college to turn into the NFL, which this may not have a may not have any effect at all on it, but you know it, it seems to be a shade of that coming maybe. Well, while I understand that from the transfer portal side and also from the side of the the, the players being compensated, it to yeah. me like I I agree with what Brett Kavanaugh kind of said in his dissertation or or at least alluded to. Like, what even is amateurism at this point when it's a billion-dollar industry? You know, everybody's, oh, yeah. everybody's profiting except for the folks on the field. Regardless of sport, somebody's making money, and it ain't the players. You know, now, you know they exactly. get their benefits. They certainly have benefits that they earned that, that are important. Uh, but, you know, they just, they just deserve more than the average, you know, straight-A engineering student. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, well, yeah, because, I mean, it's... It's, it's a situation like yourself. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you know, I've, I've worked with Travis with them online in the photography and everything else. Um, contrary to popular belief, you know, these players aren't compensated illegally like these. A lot of fans, well, Bama's paying all these players or Auburn's right. paying all these. It, it's not as rapid and as crazy because, you know, you get to know these players and you see them on another level. A lot of these guys, they're – they're happy to be where they are. They're, you know, I think you know, the new cafeteria situation, the eating taken care of, clothing taken care of, but they don't have the opportunity to go out and get a job because they have no time. But a lot of these guys aren't 
coming from a whole lot. I mean, exactly. I, I, that's the only way I can actually say it. Yeah. Uh, and I think they do need the extra because uh, not all, but, you know, the majority of the average Bama students that's out there, a lot of them are coming from a situation to where their family can support them a lot better than what these other guys can. They're, most average Bama student is not the one that's getting a job. There's a lot of it work at the same time, but it's a limitation on how much a regular old athlete can actually work and do. So, yeah, he does need to be compensated a situation. That does have to be revisited. I'm glad it finally has been revisited after all these years. But, um, man, it's just a whole other can of worms roping up here. You know, I'm glad that we don't have to police this situation ourselves. But I think there has to be a governing body to, to, to control it all, pretty much. I mean, separate from the, maybe, maybe separate from the NCAA. See that that's that when when I think of that that phrasing I think why doesn't the NCAA have a commissioner? Why doesn't the NCAA yeah. actually structure out all of what college football is? But I mean they're scared to tackle this thing. You know, I, I, yeah, whatever high suite they're in right now, t- twelve to twenty suits are crying and and saying why didn't we handle this in January? Because now the government's coming after us, pressuring us, and we've got eight days till July. Like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> They're terrible. Oh, yeah, exactly. And they've got no solutions. Yeah, and the thing about it is, uh, hey, it's, in the world in general, and the way it is, you know, it's attacking the NCAA at the one part that they don't want to be attacked in, and that's financially. Yeah. It's been a multi – I mean, over the years, the college football we have today is not the college football that I grew up on in the 80s. It's more visual. There's, you know – you can do anything and everything. You can follow a player as close as you want to follow him. So it has revolved. It's evolved, and, and, and it's not the same thing. You know, I survived the 80s and majority of the 90s of Bama football. I'm glad to see it doing so well, and I enjoy it. Enjoy it while I can. But uh, <laughs> it's a whole other monster nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say this, and, and this is my opinion, but I think that the, the, the change, the evolution – that is going into college football right now, it's going to be strange and it's not going to seem great at first. Uh, but I think we've already kind of seen it with the transfer portal where it's a little hectic at first, but we realize that it's not, it's not feeding the elite quite the same as we think it is, but, it, and it's also not taking away from them. So it's, it's one of those situations where I think it can honestly balance itself out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. As long as the NCAA handles the situation correctly, doesn't throw this thing at the feet of state and or federal governments and says, please fix right. this for us because we're totally inept and incompetent, you know? Yeah. Well, the transfer portal is a good thing. I mean, there's a lot of players out there, you know, they're 18, 19-year-old kids making a lifelong decision. You know, myself, I started Mercedes-Benz 24 years ago, but I had the full opportunity to walk away if I wanted to. It's kind of hard to tie. I would hate to have thinking back in 1998, I'd have signed a piece of paper and Mercedes says, hey, you belong to us for the next 20 years. Right. So even though it's a, a large, weird grasp there, but, you know, I think the transfer portal is a good thing. I don't think you need to let them jump around all the time, but, you know, one time, whatever situation. But, again, it's a whole new can of worms and an evolution of college football and college sports in general. Well, I, I look at it this way, and, and i got to go after this, but as, as far as it pertains to, to the transfer portal and you comparing it to, to the Mercedes-Benz, you know, I, I went and played football at, at Faulkner in Montgomery and hated yeah. it. Nobody told me it was a bad idea. You know, like right. how many of these kids have 30 voices telling them what's good and what isn't, and they have to de- decide between those voices who to listen to or, or you know, trust their own gut instinct, and they make a bad decision, and sometimes things just don't work out. Oh, yeah. They've got to correct it because that's what being a human being, you know, is all about. You you make mistakes, you learn from them, and you solve the problem. I, I tell my yeah. five-year-old that, you know, like we've got to get to a point where, where, where we understand that 18-year-olds who play sports are at liability for those situations just as well. It's been a lot of fun, Dino. Oh, yeah. All right, man, have a great day. You as well. You as well. We uh, we gonna wrap up. Okay. Well, will we uh, we'll wrap up because me and Dion went a little long there. But I mean, I'm saying I think that all of this can be a positive in the long run. We've just got to be patient. But I, 
a lot of the stuff that scares me is when the NCAA does not control what they have going on. This this agent thing that that Dinon put me toward, uh, I hate that. Like that that sickens me because there's outside of the the influence of Nick Saban, who's stopping the the biggest agent in in the NFL from knocking on Will Anderson's door or, or chatting him up on his cell phone in in two weeks' time and saying, hey, buddy, here, here's a million and a half dollars, you know, or I'll stick to the actual advance, uh, example. Here's $500,000. I'll be your agent when you're ready to come into the NFL. You go ahead and hold on to this and enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Come on. You can't, you can't stop that. Other than the influence of Nick Saban, what stops that? Nothing. Don't forget, stick around on the Tide 100.9 app at 3 o'clock. Enter that code word that you'll hear. Earn yourself an opportunity to win a 20-quart Orca cooler filled with to the brim with Pepsi and Buffalo Brock products decked out in Alabama uh, logos and gear. It's crimson and white. It's beautiful, and it's worth $250, and it could be yours. The Jay Barker Show is coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow for more of the Southern Fried Sports Variety right here on Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Drier air is moving into the area this afternoon. Skies will be steadily clearing with partly cloudy skies overnight tonight. 80 your daytime high this afternoon. 62 overnight tonight. Partly cloudy and warm for your Wednesday. Look for a daytime high in the middle 80s. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 